Hello and welcome to the HRD Live podcast with me, David Clift, Chief People Officer at Contentive. HR departments are increasingly focused on defining their employee value proposition, selling it throughout the recruitment process and making culture a key differentiator whilst looking for talent. And it's still common, even after putting in all of this time and expense and effort, to drop the ball when onboarding talent. And this can lead to early disengagement, high churn and employees getting up to speed slower than anticipated. Uh, and this is why it's great to have Brent here. So, Brent, please tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you, David. Thanks for having us. Um, my background is about 20 plus years in HR technology. And so for years, I've been designing and building systems to make HR's life easier. And I started in border probably about uh, almost four years ago now, after really stumbling, really, I guess, identifying a, a bit of a gap in the market, which was which was onboarding through the lens of employee experience. Great. And uh, please talk to, to us about that typical customer journey people go through, you know, what issues they come up against uh, uh, and, and how those lead to them speaking to you. Okay. So w- what I want you to do is just put yourself in the sort of the mind of the job seeker, right? Anybody that applies for a job with your company as they start going through the process, every step in the process, they start becoming more and more excited, more and more engaged in the journey. You know, they get to interview with a recruiter, they get to meet some of the hiring managers, they get to learn a little bit more about the company and they become really excited. Then when they get the offer, they get a verbal offer and they're they're super pumped and excited. They then get the written offer and they sign on the dotted line. And the moment they sign on the dotted line, that is the transition point from the candidate to the employee. And that's where the employee experience begins. Now, this is what typically happens, right? In the mind of the new hire, they are so pumped and excited about the next chapter in their journey, and they can't wait to hit the ground running. But in fact, what happens is crickets. They usually hear nothing from the employer, or if they do, it tends to be transactional here is our new starter pack and its forms and its policies and its procedures and it's blah. It's just so not what they're after. And then when they turn up at day one, often they find that their manager's not ready or they find that the organization's not ready for them. And they tend to have a, you know, quite, to be honest, quite a sort of um, lackluster impression. So from an employee experience perspective, it's just sort of downhill from there. And you know, you can have this fantastic employee value proposition where you're selling the dream on the in the recruitment site and through the recruiting process. But then if their manager is not ready for you, it's um, it, the reality just doesn't live up to the dream. So it sounds that there's almost two sides to this. Uh, as a, a new starter, you have the the culture side. You You have the need to have someone continue that excitement from the interview right the way through for them not just joining, but also into their full onboarding process. Uh, And then you have the just competent logistical area. Uh, And I've seen a lot of businesses work really hard on the culture. And then still on day one, you don't have a laptop and your manager's got meetings booked. Uh, And then some businesses do it the other way around. So what do you do uh, to make sure that, that all of those key points are hit? Yeah. So first of all, I think the, you know, You've got to have, you've got to be ready for the new hire. So you've got to have the computer ready, the desk set up. You've got to have kind of what we call the health and hygiene stuff done. But, you know, that's almost like table stakes. You've got to, just got to have that. If you want to create an amazing onboarding experience, um, what you have to do is actually engage with that new hire on a personal level, 
even from the before they start. So you you want, you need you know if you think about what I call old school onboarding, old school onboarding is a one way conversation. It's a one way sort of push of information. You know, welcome to our company. Let me tell you about who we are. This is our policies. This is our procedures. This is how we get work done. And it's just kind of like the employer spraying information back at the new hire. If you want to. <coughs> If you want to have a really um, engaging onboarding experience, it has to be more like a two-way dialogue. So it's like, you know, hey, welcome to our company. We're going to tell you a bit more about who we are and where we've come from and where we're going and what our culture's like. But we also want to find out about you and we want to learn about who you are and how we get the best out of you. And if you can do, if you can create that, that two-way dialogue even before day one, then um, what we found is you actually get much greater engagement and that's where you see the real benefits come out of a, an engaging onboarding experience. Uh, and do you have, I, I suppose, uh, a variety of different tools that you use to communicate with employees and engage throughout that process? How do you go around doing it? So so the platform that we've built, which is called Emboarder, is that, that kind of universal tool set. And, and the best way to think about it is it's almost like a Lego set for HR. And what I mean by that is HR can start imagining what, what sort of amazing experience they want to create for the new hire. And it's not just for the new hire. If you want to create a good experience for the new hire, you actually have to coach the hiring manager and any other stakeholders like buddies or mentors in the journey of the new hire. So we kind of create a, uh, an environment where HR can actually just literally drag and drop and build this experience on a timeline to create a really, really um, engage, basically bring their vision or their ideas to life and execute them flawlessly for every hire. Great. And one of the things I've been thinking about recently in HR, and it, it seems to be coming up a lot, is this idea of a manager as, as an adult. Uh, what do you do to, I suppose, empower a manager, but make sure that it they understand it's their job? Okay, so this this is when when we go into a prospect and we're talking to um, we're talking typically to a bunch of HR people around the room. You know, one of the one of the aha moments in that discussion is I'll sit down and I'll say, you know, okay, so you got a problem with onboarding. Who owns onboarding? And you see them, they, they sit there and they, they just sort of digest the question for a moment. Then they try to search for the answer. Then they kind of look around the room and they and it's kind of like, and then, and then usually the answer is the manager. The manager owns onboarding. And then you start thinking about, well, what are you doing to actually equip the manager to own it? Because if you think about it, some managers may have never hired someone before, or they may not have hired anyone for six months or 12 months. And... Often, they're, you know, buried in some sort of dark recess of the intranet is some new hire manager guide, which if they do look at it, you know, that they might look at page one, you know, how to raise a requisition or something like that. But they're not using this to, along the, the new hire's journey. So we think that we, we believe absolutely managers have to own the experience and managers should be treated like adults. But also, you know, managers are super busy. They're always time poor. So the way I think you've got to engage with them is give them just-in-time, value-added information to make them look like rock stars. We, we have this expression that we want our managers to look like rock stars. And when our system works, it's almost like the, the new hire doesn't even know there's automation happening. All they see is a highly engaged manager that is really looking after them every step of the way that's highly empathetic, and that's the results of, um, of good manager coaching. So this, it works by making sure that at each stage of the process, managers have the correct prompts, the correct information, 
so that yeah they're taking ownership but actually they're they're doing it as well yeah correct you know one interesting challenge when you roll out any hr technology and you've probably come across this most managers hate hr technology right? and they just view it as oh my god here comes another system that's getting in the way of me doing my real job and so that's kind of the background that we that we um, had when we designed and border you know the challenge is we can have the best system in the world but if the managers do not engage with it it's not going to work so we have to design a system that is frictionless for the manager and what i mean by that is so a lot of our customers when they rolled it out they don't even do communication programs the system is designed to work automatically with the manager without any training and they don't have to download any apps it can work on their mobile phone or their desktop but it kind of it's just like it's like a virtual assistant that's there i don't know if you've ever had um, worked with an amazing assistant one of those assistants that goes you know hey brent did you know that it's betty's birthday tomorrow do you want me to organize a cake and it's like oh my god yes that would be amazing well that's kind of what what inboard is like for the manager we're like this sort of virtual assistant that just makes them look great Excellent. so do you see that as a, a major trend in hr tech where we're trying to get to a place where users don't feel like they're using a new piece of technology they they just get a great service yeah i think that um what I call sort of old school HR tech was kind of designed through the eyes of the engineer or the technologist. And it's, um, well, we want the managers to log in and the managers have got to do this and that and this. And and then sure enough, it would get deployed and the managers wouldn't do it because it was just, there's, there's not enough value for them or, or it's too cumbersome. So I think that any systems today, you know, there's a lot of talk about systems using nudges and little prompts. And I think that that is the way people are going to go where, the systems are intelligent and they're designed just to aid rather than hinder managers. And how complicated is it for an HR professional to to build a process within a system like this? Yeah. So a little sort of side story. When I started the company, um, I had this concept for Inboarder. And my very first hire was, was an unusual hire and it was my creative director. And the reason why I hired my creative director is because... I knew that if we designed this product badly, it would be a complex system. And there are plenty of plenty of complex um, HR tech systems out there. And for me, this was my litmus test. If I couldn't design a system that was so simple and easy to use that HR would get it in like literally 10 minutes and be able to use it, I didn't want to start the company. So we've sort of designed it now. And when we actually show the, the, the design interface to HR, um, and they start looking at it, you, you kind of see the, the, their eyes open up because they get this realization that I can use this, I can build this, and I don't need consultants and I don't need IT. I, it, I can actually do it myself. And so we kind of, um, our goal for HR is we want to make HR look like superstars. We want them to be the heroes, not, you know, the consultants or not the IT team. So it's super simple and it is all drag and drop. Because it's it's a growing trend I see, especially for that sort of mid-sized company, a thousand employees, two thousand employees, where HR professionals don't want to buy these huge pieces of technology, where it's a big one-off implementation cost uh, and then an ongoing running cost. And instead, there's a growing ecosystem of small products that each have quite a defined ROI. Uh, and and you sit there, but do you see anyone else in in the industry doing quite exciting work in those sorts of spaces? Yeah, I do. I th personally, I th I think this is the trend. This is where it's going. You know, it's it's pretty nerve wracking if you're going to go out there and buy some huge you know mammoth system, and it's going to cost you 
a ton of money and it's going to be big and it's going to, you know, to get the ROI, it's got to work across all functions and all areas and it's going to be really expensive to implement. That's a pretty high risk scenario. You know, you've got to you've got to get the design right. You've got to work out all of the details and you've got to hope that it do, does what the sales guy says in all of the areas. And guess what? If it doesn't, it, it's on you. OK, yeah. um, whereas you know, what we try to do is totally take the risk out of the equation. And I th I'm seeing more and more systems that are out there like that, where they do one thing really well. It's easy to understand. It's easy to implement. You can usually start with a, a small dip your toe in the water sort of purchase. And there's almost no risk to HR. And um, I think that's the way the way that things are moving. And the nice thing is now, Integration is becoming much easier, and it's becoming much easier for systems to talk to each other with sort of open APIs. And that means that you don't have this sort of plethora of isolated little systems. You actually have an ecosystem that works really well, um, usually sort of centered around some sort of hub or, or master system of truth, but it means that you're now starting to optimize the different parts of the overall HR ecosystem. Yeah, it's something I'm seeing where you, you know, you might have a pulse survey, you might have an onboarding system, you might have a, some sort of really exciting sort of SaaS-based um, applicant tracking system, yep. and uh, and you can build it together into something that has quite a low cost. Yeah. Uh, and and what I've personally experienced is in a large company when you implement those big systems, you can afford a an implementation partner who can guide you through the process. But once you're in that mid-market space, yeah. you end up often implementing systems quite badly. Yeah. You want it to do everything to get the ROI, so you massively over-spec it and then over-complicate it, uh, and then, then no one uses it because they don't understand it. You're absolutely right. But I'd say even in a large, in a large enterprises, right, maybe, maybe you've got budget approved for a big implementation team and things like that, but it still seems to take an eternity. You know, the implementation span is usually measured in years. And, um, and I don't know, I just think in today's, at, at, the, at the rate things are evolving today, by the time you go through a purchase cycle and an implementation process, and then you start to bed it down, it's kind of like, the world has moved on and what you bought you know two or three years ago it's almost out of date and there's so many new innovative tools i think what's interesting what i find interesting is if you look at the the sales and marketing space i actually think that's a model to where hr's going you know you've kind of got you've got these sales and marketing systems that talk to each other really well and there tends to be a core sales and a core marketing system and that to me that's a bit like the talent acquisition system and the hris system but then around that, sales and marketing professionals are plugging in the best of breed modules that do, you know, analytics or chatbots or, or you know, advertising or sourcing, that type of thing. And they all just work seamlessly around this sort of this sales and marketing ecosystem. And I think I, I really think that's where HR is going to go as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I see a lot of that at the moment. And would you mind telling us about a, a maybe a customer case study where where you can talk us through you know, why they came to you, what problem they solved, uh, and how you dealt with it. Yeah. So, so you know, we work with some amazing companies all over the world, both big and small. But I think one of the, the more interesting case studies is, is Qantas, the airline. So um, so Qantas had actually implemented Workday. So they'd put in the, their, their big hub or core system. But um, Workday wasn't really focusing on the employee experience and creating a good experience for their staff. So 
they beca- they realized that onboarding was a um, a critical part uh, or critical part in the employee journey and it was also um, it actually had quite a big influence in staff staff retention and first year staff turnover so they engaged us and and um, they they had just created this um, people experience team within Qantas so we showed them our product they were pretty excited they signed a very small sales order for you know worked worked out about i think a 6 or 7000 euro that gave them an entry level pack to start within 2 days of signing that they were live and they were putting cabin crew through the product and once they started putting cabin crew through the product they started getting almost instant feedback from everyone saying hey this is amazing they started putting pilots through they started putting corporate through and what they found um the first thing they found is uh they had a good onboarding experience for cabin crew to go into training and it was like a, i think it was about a four week or six week training course but they weren't actually engaging with that that new cabin crew through the process we recommended that they be doing weekly check-ins and pulse checks and what they found was the first couple of weeks is all kind of nice warm welcome get your uniforms learn how to do your makeup that type of thing then they started their safety training and as they started the safety training that became quite a high stress time with our platform we could actually do pulse checks with them and we could start identifying those cabin crew that were actually starting to struggle with that and it meant in real time the managers could intervene and they could actually just 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 support them and guide them into the transition into that point and so all of a sudden they they started not losing any cabin crew through that process and you know anytime you can actually you know if you've identified a good person through the selection process if you can retain them through that you know until they really bed in and get going i think that that's um that's a, that's a wonderful thing so you know Qantas um they got as i said live in two days within probably 6 weeks they were absolutely convinced and sold and they went through the internal procurement process and and then bought us for a much greater deployment and with a two day implementation i'm assuming you went to them saying hey we've got our best of breed processes use these is yeah. that what happened yeah so what we've done is um it, when you if you um buy and order it does it's not like an empty box where you've got to roll your own we actually give we actually have created best of breed onboarding processes offboarding processes and also processes for parental leave how to create an engaging parental leave process so that's we recommend that's a starting point because it packed in these best of breed um uh workflows is kind of our collective wisdom of over 200 implementations and often you know we're showing tactics and ideas that they've never even thought about and so they look through and they go hey that's great i love that that's fantastic no that wouldn't work our environment i'm going to delete that i'd like to add this in but so it means it's a, it's a very quick way of to to get up and running rather than you know giving someone a blank sheet of paper saying right design your onboarding process it's really interesting because not that long ago a lot of companies would want to bespoke everything to their processes yeah Uh, and actually now with hindsight it feels logical that you'd say to a business whether it's someone like yourself or whether it's someone like a workday who've done hundreds yeah. of thousands of implementations yeah. what works best yeah. rather than um let's customize everything to our current state because then you're just rebuilding the current state and not really driving a business change yeah totally i i can't tell you how many examples i've heard of of customers and you're right i think it's i think it's actually a trend that's more from you know the last 10 20 years ago you know i can't tell you how many people say yeah but we're different we're unique okay and what they want to do is they start trying to 
drive the system down some weird convoluted use case. And sure enough, they go down this rabbit hole and then sooner or later it's like, okay, we've made a mistake. We need to backtrack now. What we the, the approach that we take is much more of an agile approach. So what we say is, look, implementing a product like ours, it's not like rolling out a big ERP system where you're spending a fortune in consultants. You don't have to get it right out of the gate. So just start simple because I can guarantee you that anything that you roll out will be better than what you've got today. Start putting a few new hires through, interview them at the end of it, get some feedback. And then because it's, you can just drag and drop yourself and it doesn't cost you, you can actually modify it as you go. And those small little modifications where you kind of experiment, measure, evaluate, repeat, um, we find that that, that um, is much a much more palatable process for our customers. That sort of agile implementation, do you think that it's been facilitated by people having a consumer level experience where they don't need training every time a, a new piece of functionality comes out? Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, if you've got a well-designed system and a well-designed experience, you don't need to train people. So we have no training for managers. We have no training for um, new employees. And we and the training for the, the HR team is really minimal because once they just learn how to navigate the, the builder, um, they're off and running. And But there is still a mindset change that we sometimes have to um, go through. I remember we were implementing with um, Westpac, which is one of Australia's biggest banks. And they wanted to quite formally construct all of the, these messages to the, the managers and the new hires. And they started putting the new employees through. And our system has sort of color-coded analytics and it shows them you know, which parts of the process are engaging, where the managers are going through it all and which parts aren't. And the very first manager communication, they looked at it and it, and it wasn't being in, uh, activated as often as they wanted. And so I said, look, can I just try an experiment here? I want to change that first notification to the manager. And reluctantly, they kind of let me do it. And we changed it to something that we knew, we knew worked. Within literally four days, they started putting new hires through and the analytics were now giving them a new readout. And that was when the penny dropped and it's like, oh my God, we can test and measure so quickly, but they had to, um, there is still this tendency to, I've got to measure twice and cut once and, and spend a lot of time getting it right. And we're like, just go, just drop people in. It's not, you're not going to break anything. You're not going to hurt anyone. It's going to be a better experience. And even if it's not perfect, you'll be able to make it perfect with the feedback. And with, uh, in your experience, implementing systems like this when you have a customer who has lots of small systems within an ecosystem yeah. can you think of anybody who has tied them together particularly well with any sort of integration layer or or sort of central system yeah yeah we've got we've got a couple of customers that have done some pretty interesting work where they've got their core system of record you know that so that'd be like a work it'd be, it could be like a yeah a work day success factors. success factors could be an oracle it could yeah. be a, even a salesforce we've had some customers using salesforce and what they do is um yeah that becomes kind of like the information interchange so if they the applicant tracking system might say right we've hired someone and it passes it into the central interchange that interchange then triggers to us and says well, i've got a new hire let's go passes us all of the information that we know about that new hire our workflows can then you know we can then augment that information from the new employee themselves or from managers and and, and sort of build that employee record 
Um, then we can pass that information back to the, the mothership, back to that central information exchange, as well as then, um, you know, through the journey, any other information that we get from that new hire, we can be supplementing that employee record by sort of updating it from there. Um, and at the same time, you know, we can be feeding that to not just to the mothership information system, but giving it to their hiring manager as well. And, and you know, some of that information, it can be really small, but if you use it correctly, oh boy, it's powerful. And, and I'll just tell you one little story about one of our favorite tactics. We have a tactic called the 3 p.m. munchie. And here's how it works. So as part, before a new employee starts, we'll ask you, and I'm going to do it with you. So I'll, I'll, I'll show you what the questionnaire looks like. So, so David, we're really excited that you're joining us. We want to find a little bit more about who you are. What are you passionate about when you're not working? Um, uh, I, I like watching Crystal Palace. Okay. Season ticket holder, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, um, and so we'd ask you a few other questions. And one of the questions would be this. We'd say, um, so when the 3 p.m. slump hits, what's your favorite go-to munchie? I probably have a Yorkie uh, and an espresso. Perfect. Now, we captured that information. Classy guy. Classy guy. <laughs> we captured that information. And, and about three days before you start, we actually route that to, to your manager. And we say, don't forget, David's coming hey, why don't you decorate his desk? Here's some information about him. Hey, Crystal Palace supporter, so they can actually deck your, des your desk out, um, you know, maybe with Crystal Palace colors. And then we'll say, and David's 3 p.m. munchie is a, is a Yorkie and an espresso. Why don't you put that on his desk for the morning with a little post-it note saying for your 3 p.m. munchie? Now, it sounds really trivial, but, but there's actually two really important things that happen here. Number one, the new hire comes in and they see the Yorkie sitting there with maybe a coffee card, and it's like, oh yeah, my manager listened to what I had to say. But here's the bigger, the bigger um, impact that we have. That manager looks at the smile on the face of their employee when they introduce them to the desk, and they get a real buzz out of it. And, they, and it actually shows them how important and how easy it is to create a great employee experience. So it's actually, it's quite a powerful change agent from the management perspective. And so that's an example where little bits of information picked up on the journey, if you use it correctly, can have a really powerful change impact. And this approach of helping managers almost, you know, be the hero, delight employees, it, to me, feels like something that is powered by people with non-traditional HR skills because all of a sudden you've got a HR department with someone who's got marketing analytics skills, yeah. You've with somebody who's thinking about delighting customers. Have you seen changes in the composition of HR departments recently as a result of this? Yeah, I have. I have. Um, you know, I, I've always, historically, I'd sort of, if someone said describe HR, I'd probably say they're the fun police and they're designed to keep, you know, companies out of trouble and managers out of trouble and ensure policies, procedures, you know, pretty boring sort of stuff. Um, I think now we're actually starting to um, see a change. You know, I'm starting to see companies create employee experience or people experience heads that are now starting to think about, you know, how do we create a better experience for our staff? So, um, and I think that's new. And the reason why I think people, are, you know, HR departments are starting to think about that now is because I think for a long time, yes, we've been talking about the candidate experience and businesses realize how important the customer experience is, but there's been this gap in the middle. And I think all of a sudden, yeah, companies are having this aha moment where they realize you can't create a great customer experience unless you've created a good employee experience and you've got an engaged employee because a disengaged employee 
is not going to create a good customer experience. And so I think that's been a missing link. And I think now it, it kind of gives HR the opportunity to actually step up and, and, and grasp this. And if they want to get out of, uh, unless HR loves doing policies and procedures and compliance and, and that sort of stuff, then they should keep doing what they're doing. But I think they do have an opportunity to actually now add a lot more value. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. And I keep seeing really cool examples of quite personalised work experience. And a lot of what you're describing um, really reinforces that. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, it's a bit like when you turn on Netflix and we've both got yeah. the same list of films and, uh, and series set at the back end. But what we get presented with is completely different based on me being me and you being you. And I think to see more of that delivered by HR departments to yeah. employees is is an exciting future. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I actually think the, I think the 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 future is exciting for those that want to take it, and I think that I think we're going to see um, a bit of a sort of polarization. I think you're going to get old school HR who maybe can't make the change, but then those that are ready to take the leap. Yeah, I think the future is really exciting. Excellent. And in terms of being an HR professional using your system. Who typically would be manage the system, uh, managing the system? What sort of level of skill would you need to you know, build a workflow and yeah. uh, customize? So, so the good news about our system is our system doesn't need to be driven per se. So it's actually almost like a black box. You need someone to actually sort of design the experience. And you can, you can have a, what I call a bright young thing doing that. So you can have a, a grad or a young person who's, um, you know, they don't need a ton of experience. They don't need to have a special set of skills. Um, they don't need to be overly tech savvy, but I'd say it's someone that's really passionate. They can do the actual construction in the building and then they can be presenting it to stakeholders for approval and sign off, et cetera. But once that, that workflow is built, we literally, you know, we can plug it into your existing system and then the data just gets flow, flows through and you don't have to do anything. It's kind of a lights out operation. It's only if somebody doesn't do a critical step. Like, for example, if a manager doesn't order um, a laptop or the IT equipment, then our system will try to remind the manager, but if not, it will escalate to an administrator and say, hey, you got someone here that, that's missed a critical step in the process. And at that point, they need to take action. When you mentioned the Qantas implementation, you mentioned it being up and running in two days. I'm assuming you didn't do any integrations. Yep, correct. What's the sort of the range that you offer from? I'm assuming totally plugged into everything else to yep. stand alone. Can you yep. can you operate in either way? Yeah, we always like to start start small and simple, and by that I mean we're fully in the cloud. So so with Qantas, what we did is we said, look, we can get up and running in two days, and we do not have to integrate with or touch any of your systems on your network. So what they did was they manually entered new hires, and you can do that by either just, you know, in 30 seconds you can type in the data, or you can just upload a, a spreadsheet with the, the new hires in it. That means that, yeah, so we can get going really quickly, really simply, and we can kind of prove the value proposition out. And then, then we start doing integrations, and the integrations are really simple. Often they can happen in literally 30 seconds. Um, so we can integrate with DocuSign, integrate with your ATS or HRIS, integrate with your provisioning system like ServiceNow or Jira. And we just start, you know, as customers get more comfortable, they start thinking of more ways to integrate. And our system is designed to be in, to, to integrate with everything. We want to be the glue in your HR ecosystem. But we, we always recommend don't start there. Start simple and get it running, get some feedback, and then just start putting in integration points. 
And I, I suppose one of the challenges as an HR professional is when you involve your IT department, because there is, I think conflict might be a bit strong, but you have one yeah. party that might want to use analytics, might yeah. want to regularly change workflows, yeah. uh, might want to integrate to certain systems and not to others. Yeah. And then you've got an IT department with a very set roadmap that might have been planned at the start of the year. How do you see people resolving that conflict? Yeah, look, I, I think a lot of this depends on the strength of HR versus IT. And and what I mean by that is usually their goals are not aligned. So, you know, we engage quite a lot with HR and, and their goals are, I want to create a great people experience. I want to be able to coach my managers. That's what they want. Then when they, if, you know, if they involve um, HRIT or the IT team, often their goals are, I want I want simple systems. I want, you know, only one system if it can do everything, even if it doesn't serve your goals. So sometimes there's a clash and and it can IT might push back on it. We don't need another system because we've got, you know, we've got Workday or we've got whatever and Workday has an onboarding module. Well, it may have an onboarding module, but it's got nothing to do with the experience. It's to do with provisioning and forms and data. And um, I think sometimes I've seen HR, they can be bullied by IT um, and they may not be strong enough to actually stand their ground and say, yeah, I know we've got that, but it's not delivering on what's important, which is the employee experience. And I think by delivering a great employee experience, HR gains the credibility to own the process as yeah, well. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and with systems like yours, where do they start and end um, I'm assuming you get a handoff from an applicant tracking system, but do you go right the way through to probation or even beyond? Yeah, so for onboarding, um, we tend to go, our, our best practice onboarding workflow goes goes from the moment you sign your offer, you know, pre-boarding, and then all the way through um, up until about 12 months. Now, after about the 90-day mark, we're typically just doing quarterly check-ins to see how things are going, but our, our standard onboarding process runs for 12 months after the start date. But then customers typically, they actually find that our, our, our platform, it works well for any sort of time-based um, workflow. So we may onboard you, then you may get promoted from being an individual contributor to a manager. So we may now onboard you as a manager and teach you how to manage in our company. You may go off on parental leave. So we're going to actually guide you through on you know what to do and what to do as you go off on parental leave keep you engaged while you're away and then reboard you when you come back from parental leave and then let's say you decide to leave the company we're going to offboard you and by offboarding you I don't mean exit just exit surveys and deprovisioning I mean you know if you're if you're if you've been a great performer and you're leaving us why don't we create an amazing last impression for you as you leave the company because guess what if the grass is not greener on the other side you know we want you to come back and um, and so customers are using us in more and more points throughout the entire employee journey. A best of breed maternity stroke parentally approach is really interesting for me because for me personally, if I spend two weeks on holiday, I can't remember my passwords or anything else. Yeah. So uh, the idea of spending six months or 12 months out of a business. Yeah. Do you think a lot of companies get it wrong by just welcoming you back as if you've been off for a week? I think company. I think companies get it totally wrong. I actually think parental leave is an area that, um, unfortunately, companies just don't think about. And if you think about it, as a manager, you may never have had an employee go off on parental leave, so you don't know what to do. You may not know the policies. So there's a whole bunch of pre, uh, you know, pre board, pre leaving things that uh, we can help with. But I think that the area that we can really help with is actually 
in reboarding that person that's gone off on parental leave. Because if you think about it, they've had a major life change um, and they have been out of action for a while and often people just forget about them. They fall between the cracks and they're sometimes they can come back and their desk isn't even there. They're, you know, it can, and, you know, and it's pretty tough for them. They're, they're leaving, leaving their child. So it's um, a highly emotional time. And I think that um, if you get that wrong, you can actually create a really bad experience for that, that employee. So parental leave, um, you know, we, we partner with some um, experts in parental leave who have all of the content and we, you know, we're the delivery engine, they're the content engine. And um, we're seeing more and more companies really jumping onto fixing parental leave. Great. And when you engage with employees through these sorts of processes, do is it largely emails or are you prompting managers to send text, phone, phone employees? Yeah. Uh, what does it feel like from the employee point of view? So from the employee perspective, um, we might start communicating with you through an SMS onto your phone with a, with a t- link in it and that opens your browser. We can change the channel. So we might start on your personal device before you start. Then after you start, we might switch to email. But what we're trying to do is we're not trying to replace a personal connection. So often what we're trying to do is actually facilitate more personal connections, especially between your direct manager and the employee. And so um, often we're doing a nudge or a prompt and we're making it very easy for the manager to pick up the phone or send a text message or sit down and have a coffee with you all the way through the, the journey. So a lot of what you've been talking about is, is about empowering managers to have a, yeah. a bigger human connection uh, uh, do you think it's interesting that with automation, the the roles that humans play in the workplace become more and more important? Yeah. Uh, and therefore, this need to delight people, look after them, get them excited about working with you is actually much bigger as a result. Totally. It's um, that, you know, people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. That's the old saying. And I think that... Um, I think there is so much technology around today, but the role of the manager and a good manager who can who can create a personal connection with a new hire has never been more important. So, um, uh, yeah, I think that um, technology is not taking away or diminishing um, the importance of people management. I think, if anything, it, it's making it more important. And what do you see as the really big, important technology changes impacting HR over the next five years? Let's see. Over the next five years, um, I think I think you know AI and machine learning. You can't you can't ignore that. But by that I mean real AI and machine learning. Right now, anybody you know anybody can write a really basic algorithm and say I've got AI, and it's not AI. It's a basic set of commands. But um, I think the ability for for computers to actually learn and um, and do things smarter. I think is amazing. I think that um, the real AI machine learning is going to have an impact on on HR. But again, that's not that's not brain dead bots that are taking you through a pretty simple process. Um, it's it's you know real predictive learning and that type of stuff. Uh, and just for people like me, how would you really describe AI? Because it feels like it's something that gets thrown around all of the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, and actually, um, people keep mentioning it without really fully understanding what it is. So I, I read a great article, which I think is the best example of the power of this. So Google Translate, I think most people have used Google Translate, um, you know, before. There's a, a fascinating article where um, where there's a, a language professor in Japan, someone brought to his attention and said, go and have a look at Google Translate. And, and 
have a look at what it's doing. He did some tests and he was like shocked at how accurate all of a sudden Google Translate seemed to have become. And the backstory behind it is, I think it was for about like five or eight years, Google developed Translate using traditional methods. They wrote, you know, grammar rules and, and structure and, and things the old way. Then Google actually created a project where they actually um, they use machine learning and they basically let let the artificial intelligence machine learning network learn to translate by itself. And, and I think it was within two weeks, this machine learning had outperformed the, the, you know, the five to eight years of manually building this thing. And it had basically just taught itself how to translate better than by manually giving instructions. Amazing. So that's uh, the machine picking patterns within language and yeah. frequency of correlations and yeah. and working out itself without any sort of use of grammar. Correct. Correct. It learnt itself and it taught itself. So the machine learnt based on large data sets and, and that type of thing. Amazing. That's about all we've got time for this week. Thank you to Brent Pearson for joining us. Thanks for having. Thank you for having me, Dave. Cheers. And thank you to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to HRD Live podcast to listen to more and future episodes we've got coming up. Thank you and goodbye.